Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. College football rivalries are some of the most entertaining things to observe from afar, unless you're one of those rivals, uh, you know, involved in it. But it's fun to look, sit back and watch these rivalries when the teams meet on the field, but also what the fans are doing. We got some great stories of some fandom from college history down in Texas. And all I can say is, holy cow, you're going to love this. Coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And welcome to another edition where we're going to go solo today and tell a little story, talk a little bit of uh, heart-to-heart that we haven't done for a while here on Pigskin Dispatch Podcast. Just uh, could be you, the listener, and me, your host. We're going to talk a little football and what's on our minds here going on. Well, first thing is, we just want to remind everybody out there that if you haven't yet, we have a daily newsletter. It covers everything that comes out on Pigskin Dispatch, everything that comes out on Jersey Dispatch, as well as any of our friends' sites or anything else that's going on in the world that uh, we want you to know about for that day. It has links to everything, including this podcast and the Jersey Dispatch podcast, Orville Mulligan Sports Writer, and many of our friends on the Sports History Network as well. It's real easy to sign up for. Go to the show notes of this very podcast, click the link there, or go to the top of Pigskin Dispatch or jerseydispatch.com. Now, some other things that we got going on. We have an on this day uh, type of scenario going on on both sites, jerseydispatch.com and pigskindispatch.com. And some things are going to be coming up on Pigskin over the next few days is on the 28th of October, we're going to be celebrating some great events in football history. How about uh, quarterback Willie Totten and setting a record? Emmett Smith breaking an NFL record on that day and talking about some great uh, Hall of Famers like Kyle Rote and uh, you know some others that are in there, Reuben Mays and just some, some great things like that and the first documented professional football pass. Uh, on the 20 the day after that i'm sorry that was the 27th we're gonna be talking about that on the 28th we're gonna be talking about uh you know a big goal line stand for princeton and the yukon uh huskies and terrell davis having a a birthday on the 28th and we go into the 29th but we're gonna be covering some more great things there too uh with uh, a great 1966 kick in a Florida versus Auburn game that uh, was very famous. And the top Princeton player, John DeWitt, celebrates his birthday. We'll be talking about him. These things and more coming up in Pigskin Dispatch over the next few days, so make sure you check out that. And uh, you know, 
I think what we're going to do today is we're going to go into something that uh, I, I love to do, and that's get into a football story and talk about it, do a little bit of research on it, go out on a couple uh, little offshoots to it, and uh, just make it a little interesting thing. Well, this segment uh, is going to rekindle some a gridiron story from yesteryear that centers on a specific bovine mascot from deep in the heart of Texas. The University of Texas sports teams are called the Longhorns because of the Longhorn cattle that are an essential part in the development of Texas. Now, I found this story in a book called Football, Great Records, Weird Happenings, Odd Facts, Amazing Moments, and Other Cool Stuff by author Ron Martinorano. Martinorano. (laughs) I'm sorry, Ron, for mispronouncing your name. Now, he had a little tidbit of this story and it inspired me to do some research and to dig into some more going to newspapers.com going to some texas newspapers uh looking it up uh, doing some looking some other books uh you know like dave campbell's favorite texas college football stories which i have a copy of another great book uh if you like uh, to read about some texas football of a couple different levels there you can do that so he had a little something on it and i've also found some other websites and we'll call those out as we go through here in the story but it's a really an amazing story kind of cool and takes you back uh, some time now the longhorn cattle breed that we talked about was introduced to texas by spanish settlers in the 16th century the cattle quickly adapted to the texas environment and became an essential part of the state's economy so much so that the Longhorn cattle breed became a symbol of Texas in the 19th century. This bovine breed was featured in paintings, photographs, and literature in association with the state, and the Longhorns were also used in marketing campaigns to promote Texas products. Now, if you've ever seen a movie or uh, photographs or been to the state of Texas, uh, you will see the Longhorn uh, horns on just about everything. You remember Boss Hogg from the Dukes of Hazard, even though they were over in Georgia, but well, he had those Longhorns on the front of his big white Cadillac he'd drive around. Uh, it, I, I've had the opportunity to go down to Fort Worth to the stockyards where they have you know, a lot of these live uh, uh, steers down there, those Longhorn steers. And these things are gigantic. Uh, you can go and you can sit on them, but they have a lot of uh, memorabilia and uh, trinkets and charms and everything related to these longhorns. And, uh, you know, it's a very big part of Texas for sure. Now, the website jimnacar.com, we've got the link to it on our the accompanying post on Pigskin Dispatch, which you can follow the link on the show notes. It relays an 1892 alumnus named Tom Buffington who addressed a crowd of UT students, University of Texas students, in assemblage. And Tom back then said, quote, I have been requested to present the University of Texas a mascot or protecting spirit that now in future years will bring good luck to the institution and its teaching. Behold him, the Longhorn of Texas, emblematic as he stands for the fighting spirit of progress. As the great Longhorn was free to roam in the wilderness of Texas, so must the university be free to roam the world of thought, unhampered and unafraid, end quote. So it was very natural 
there for. In 1893, when the University of Texas, with this you know, very inspirational speech and all the uh, momentum going towards you know, Texas and Longhorns, the association, and this is the University of Texas, for God's sakes, you've got to have the biggest emblem of Texas. Well, 1893, UT adopted the Longhorn as their mascot. Now, in preparation for a November 30th, 1916 game, as we fast forward, there was a holiday parade and a game against Texas A&M happening on campus at UT. UT Austin, this is. Now, the idea to acquire a live mascot for the university came from a 1911 grad, Steven Pinckney. After graduation and passing the bar, he became the U.S. Attorney General's office, employed him, this former law student, and in 1916, Pinckney was assigned to the Western Plains of Texas to help out with some raids on some cattle rustlers. He was the lawman there. Now, in late September, near Laredo, Texas, one of these things produced a confiscated steer whose coat was so orange, well, may I say even burnt orange, that the Texas alum immediately knew what he had to do. Pinckney raised $125 needed to purchase the animal from the state, which included a $1 contribution from himself and from each of 124 other fellow alumni. I think they probably did this so it wasn't like a a big gift from one alumni and violating any NCAA rules. So if you give a dollar, that must have been legal at the time. Maybe it's still that way. Uh, Maybe you could, if somebody out there knows this, you could uh, email me at pigskindispatch at gmail.com and clarify this. But I think that's why they did it. 125 different people each donating a dollar to buy the animal. Now, the young attorney arranged to have the steer loaded into a boxcar sent to UT's campus, and the arrival of the Longhorn became a publicity event. As it was unloaded from the rail car, there was a photographer present as well as a throng of people, and uh, the photographer was using some flash photography of that era to record the moment of the animal's arrival. He wanted to get it out and maybe get it to the papers and, you know, let everybody see this uh, this handsome mascot that the University of Texas was going to be having as their live mascot. Now, from its standstill pose, the beast heard, sawed, smelled the frightening flash of the camera, and then he reacted. He abruptly charged a photographer who had to scramble and dodge the stampede of this, you know, animal that's was annoyed by this flash and the photographer reached safety camera in hand everything was safe they corralled the the big steer and got him uh, back where he should be uh, but that was a uh, one of the only poses that this original uh, animal that was a live mascot for the university of texas got taken probably because everybody was fearful for their lives <laughs> being a photographer but a year later during a 19 i guess a few months later During a 1917 trip to the Austin campus of Texas, a group of Texas A&M students kidnapped and branded the original Longhorn that Pinckney had worked so hard to obtain to get for the school. In a boastful prank, the Aggie man branded a 13-0 onto the beast, which was reflective of the score of a football game won by Texas A&M in 1915. This was meant to embarrass, harass, and belittle 
the Texas Longhorn School by the Texas A&M Aggies. Now, both the fans there, they were enraged and embarrassed that their rival had pulled off such a stunt and pranked them. Now, the University of Texas students quickly and cleverly decided they were going to do a cover-up plan. How could they uh, you know, recoup and uh, you know, spin this into something good? They were, you know, get the spin doctors working here. So they altered the unwanted graphic brand to read the words B-E-V-O. They changed the 13 into a B, easy connection there. The dash in between the 13 and O into an E. They inserted a V in between the dash and the zero and let the zero be an O. So this nickname for the mascot Bevo, B-E-V-O, stuck throughout the generations and the live mascot of today in the modern era still has that name of Bevo. Interesting story there. But this isn't the only occasion that pranksters had attacked the, the beast that represents the University of Texas. And we're going to talk about that more in our next segment right after this. Memorable moments were many. Franco Harris's immaculate reception, Roger Staubach's Hail Mary. But the decade's greatest teams were defined by defense. Author Michael McCambridge. Joe Zagorski's podcast, Pro Football in the 1970s, pays homage to a time when defense ruled the gridiron. Soundtrack provided by Horst Hoffman of FilmMusic.io. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. This is Bud Bailey of the Buffalo Bills Historical Timeline. You're listening to the Pigskin Dispatch Podcast. And we're back, and as promised, we've got more stories on this mascot down in Texas schools. Because this was not the only occasion that the Texas A&M Aggies, pranksters, and their backers targeted the poor beast, Bevo. On November 12, 1963, the A&M cadets stole the University of Texas mascot once again and took the steer back to College Station to Aggieland. And according to MyAggieNation.com, they have quite a tale to tell about this instance as well. Now, it was a group of conspiring A&M cadets headed to the State Hog Farm Show where Bevo was housed. Now, he was, uh, you know, there with, I assume, with a bunch of pigs and other things, but that's, you know, they couldn't keep him at the campus. They needed a stable and barn and grazing land and everything, so they sent him to the State Hog Farm uh, to be housed there. And the Aggie students loaded Bevo onto a stock trailer and drove back to College Station, somehow undetected by the farmer and ranchers, I guess. Uh, once home, they showed off the caper as they drove around the quad of AM, spreading the word across campus. Hey guys, look what we've got in the back. Now, once the fun was over, the AM students notified Bevo's caretakers, a group uh, of uh, UT students called the Silver Spurs, uh, that they had the steer and it was located at a farmhouse in Bryan, Texas, where he would be cared for until the University of Texas group could come and retrieve him. Well, these suspicious Silver Spurs leaders, they weren't having any part of this business, so they called the authorities and were assigned help 
from the Texas Rangers. Not the baseball team, the Texas Rangers, the law enforcement group of the state police of Texas. Now the Rangers were hot on the trail and they found a rental trailer on the AM campus where the law and while the lawmen were busy looking into who rented it, the students were pretty sly too and they moved the beast from that farm in Bryan to another one some miles away from there just to cover up the trail. And eventually Bevo was found and returned to the University of Texas. Now the Aggies allegedly they stole five Southwestern Conference mascots in that year of 1963. There was only seven other teams in there besides themselves, eight teams total. They stole five of the seven that they possibly could. So in October, the Aggies were accused, although it was never proven or denied, says the Aggies uh, website that we are referring to here, uh, of stealing Texas Tech's quarter horse mare which was found outside of Lubbock with an AMC shaved into her side. Uh, the Aggies were also accused of stealing Southern Methodist mascots Peruno uh, who you know was appeared had some photographs appear uh, of students pretending to brand the horse uh, that appeared in the school newspaper of AM called the Eagle. Now, they also took Rice's owl named Sammy and Texas Christian's uh, two-horned frogs uh, that were end up temporarily missing. Now, the whole Rice owl story is an amazing story there. They had this giant owl that was like a six-foot tall paper mache and weighed 100 pounds or something they, they would take out. Well, supposedly the A&M students stole this and dressed it up as a general and took it back to the campus there in, uh, in back at uh, Texas A&M and they saluted it and paraded it around and did all kinds of uh, weird things with them. But the folks at Rice, well, they didn't want to admit that they stole it. So they ended up making another one and said, oh, hey, Texas A&M, you didn't steal our owl. We still have it here. So they made another one. So it was a big to-do on that. Too. Different story. Uh, they did that during a basketball season, I believe. Well, the University of Texas, you know, after you know 80 some years of getting harassed by Texas A&M, some clever students at UT decided that uh, they were going to do something about it. 1993, they heard some of the Aggies' faithful boasting that A&M was one of the only schools in the South not to have its mascot which was a collie named Reveille, taken by any rivals. Never. This is 80-some years they've had this, this thing going on, and it's not happened. Well, this bragging ignited a conspiracy to meet the challenge there in Austin. The architectural engineering major at the University of Texas, Neil Andrew Sheffield, he is the, the mastermind of a scheme that would kidnap the Aggies' new mascot, Reveille the Sixth. Reveille the Five had just recently passed away at this point. Reveille the Sixth was just coming into an office or the doghouse or whatever you want to call it, mascotdom, you know, of uh, Texas A&M. So the would-be kidnapper brought in some co-conspirators, and the group researched uh, where the canine was kept. 
and even learn much about her and her caretaker schedules and routines uh, throughout the day and through the week. After careful study, they managed to scheme a plan and found a way to get the pup and take her. Now, the time selected was just before the Aggies would be hosting the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in a big game uh, for the 1994 season. I guess it's any time you got Notre Dame coming into your home stadium, it's going to be a, a big record crowd. So they were had, you know, Reveille 6 all prim and proper and ready to go to the game, probably had their hair done and nails done. You know, Reveille 6 is looking good. So that morning, when the dog was let outside to conduct her morning business, the UT men were in waiting in the bushes, I'm assuming. They grabbed the pup and sped away in a getaway car. Well, the owner probably came back, or the caretaker came out and said, hey, come on in, Reveille, Reveille, where are you? Reveille's not coming. They probably thought the dog ran away. Well, it went on for days. But the kidnappers wrote an Austin newspaper and demanded a ransom of a well-worded statement from A&M that the University of Texas was a superior school to their own. You know, sort of a humiliating uh, statement to be posted in the newspaper by Texas A&M. And you know, the Longhorns were getting a good kick out of this. Well, the victimized school at first uh, used the denial tactic like much of their accusers had done in the past. They, they accused the kidnappers of nabbing the wrong pooch. Uh, but the rustlers, who the group from University of Texas called themselves, from your they would not give in. They said, no, no, we got the right dog. You need to do your ransom of uh, writing that note and putting it in the paper. Eventually, after the authorities were called in and threats of prosecuting the violators who would be charged with a third-degree felony if caught, Reveille 6 magically turned up the following day at her home of her caretakers right where she had been taken from in the first place and all charges were dropped the investigation was dropped Reveille was home Texas A&M was happy the Texas uh, University of Texas students the, the rustlers they were happy because they finally got one over on Texas A&M and they could no longer boast that their mascot had never been stolen so just some interesting things that happened not on the football field but things that evolved around football and the fandom of sports and college football. And uh, there's no better place than the, when you have college football fans, especially the students themselves, that are really uh, partaking in some of these things. You know, they, I think it's kind of down looked on now, and it's uh, felonies, and third-degree felonies, and it's robbery and kidnapping, whatever you want to say. You're taking somebody else's property. It's all done in good fun. And... It's, uh, you can look back at now and laugh and smile a little bit, but probably not the best idea to do that. So we do not uh, uh, want you to go do this. We condone this activity from happening. So if you're a student out there, don't go stealing your uh, mascot, especially if your rival is like LSU and they have a tiger or something. That's probably not, not a good idea to do. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this little story we had today. I uh, hope you enjoy looking at Pigskin Dispatch each and every day for some more great football news each and every day. Uh, like we said, join our newsletter. You'll know exactly what's happening or just tune in to the, the website each and every day. You know, Have it locked in as one of your favorites and, 
have it pop up when you turn on your browser. That, that'd be a great thing too. And you'll see something new there every single day. That, we promise you, uh, is something great in football history. So until next time, everybody, have a great gridiron day. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, as well as Jersey Dispatch, on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.